and everybody. So, Pastor, thank you for the opportunity to minister the word. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for a man that is wise enough to know he needs to be ministered to as well. And uh, for the friendship that we have together as we work together here. Genesis 28 is our Bible lesson this morning. Genesis chapter 28. And we're going to think about the truth from darkness to light. Speak to us, Lord, as we bow our hearts and our minds and our spirits before you. We love you. We thank you you've given us your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When I mention darkness, I mean circumstances or things in life that crowd in upon us and cause us to feel that maybe God is distant. We know that's not true, but Job says man is born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward. Life comes replete with trouble. Sometimes these troubles are soul-shaking troubles. No one is exempt, not even followers of Jesus. Some of you may not be with us this morning, but may be online simply because you're in a trial like COVID or something else. Trials usually make us feel isolated. If it's protracted, then we often feel abandoned by God. Even the psalmist felt this way. Vicki and I have been through trials like that. Trials that stole our sleep, evaporated our comfort, caused our hearts to cry out for God's intervention, and yet the trial went on and on. And regardless of whatever life's duties came upon us that distracted us at the time, when it was over, our default was back to that all-consuming disturbing, wearying, soul-wearying trial. You've been there, I think, from the way you're looking at me. <laughs> Has it been true for you, like it was for us, that at low points, God met with us? Fact is, that's happened to my life, my life so many times that uh, over the last few months, I've actually wondered, am I going to get a chance to share some of the things that I'm learning? And then Brother Jeff asked me to to share. So uh, God actually paused my heart at this passage several times over the last several years. And I want you to understand that in God's sovereign movement across his world and across the hearts of his people, a heart need and the message from his word converge together powerfully and personally. We're going to look at something that happened in Jacob's life this morning, and I want to read to you verses 1 through 5 and then skip down to 10 because 6 through 9 are talking about Esau and something that uh, doesn't really apply to the message this morning. not saying that that part of Scripture is not important, but it's not part of my lesson this morning. So, chapter 28, verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. 
May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Padanaram to Laban the son of Bethuel the Syrian the brother of Rebekah the mother of Jacob and Esau. Verse 10. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a pl- certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set on the earth, and at, at its, top, it, its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it, And said, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land in which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Our passage this morning is going to show us that amid darkness, amid painful experiences, which make God difficult to see, God is taking our sanitary and well-packaged belief and transforming it into effective, consistent life patterns of behavior. Genesis 28 opens with Jacob finally leaving home to find a wife. His life has been beset with troubles, much by his own doing. But the latest trouble, which was listed for us, uh, mentioned for us in chapter 27, the deceiving of his father to receive the blessing that was culturally Esau's, that was his mother's idea. Can you imagine such family dysfunction? (laughs) That's amazing to me. Now, Jacob is a bit of a mama's boy. His father was perpetually disappointed with him. His brother hated him, and understandably so if you've read the account. And Isaac and Rebekah come to this point where Jacob needs a wife, and they exhort him not to follow in Esau's example, who had taken Canaanite wives to himself, that grieved both Isaac and Rebekah. So Jacob is sent back to the land of their relatives to find a wife. The journey would take him days, and now this soft man who knows very little about living off the land and being outdoors is outdoors, and he's alone, and he's not greatly skilled for what he faces. His ineptitude for outdoor living is made apparent in the account as he travels well into the night before he decides to rest. It seems like to me when I read this, everybody in the world except Jacob 
knew that if you're going to sleep outdoors at night, you need to stop in the daytime and pick a good spot, but not Jacob. On the other hand, he simply stops. And it's dark, and he finds a stone, and he makes that his pillow. Clearly, Jacob's not the outdoorsy type. (laughs) But in this, in this dark, dysfunctional situation, God reveals himself. And so Jacob sees a ladder extending from heaven. He's asleep, by the way. He sees this ladder extending from heaven to earth with angels ascending and descending on it. God is standing at the top. He hears the covenant to Abraham reiterated and applied to him personally. In the darkness of loneliness from family, in the trial of circumstances that are new and unfamiliar to him, in a low point where he is alone and possibly fearful, wondering about the future, God shined his light in Jacob's life. How did he do that? Well, thanks for asking. (laughs) First of all, by revealing himself. God initiated this experience. It's important to know that. Because up to this point, Jacob had lived for number one, for himself. And what he lacked in strength and intellect, he gained by cunning and deceit. But after this point, there's a change in his life. A change that's tangible, observable, and comprehensive. What did, what of God did Jacob see and understand from this vision? Well, Just a clue about biblical interpretation. When you come to figurative language, the main thing is the plain thing. So what did he see? He understood. He saw a ladder reaching from heaven with angels coming and going. And he sees God at the top. What's the main thing? What's the plain thing? There's activity between heaven and earth. God wanted Jacob to understand that earth's events are controlled in heaven. Do you understand that, beloved? Earth's events are controlled in heaven. Earth is reality to be sure, but it is not ultimate reality. There's an ultimate reality that is unseen and that includes God as the blessed controller of all things. God revealed himself. He revealed his presence in Jacob's life. He also reiterated his promise. In the dream, Jacob heard God's own voice reiterate the promise to Abraham. In fact, you you saw it in the beginning of the passage from Isaac. He says, may God Almighty bless you. This is verse 3. Make you fruitful and multiply you. Verse 4, and give you the blessing of Abraham and to your descendants with you that you may inherit the land. But then, so so this, this reiteration of the promise is actually given first to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God says to Abraham, through you... All the earth will be blessed. And if you remember the biblical account, Abraham and Sarah were having trouble having offspring. And so this was a a major thing in their lives. And yet God has this promise that your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars of the heaven. In this passage, God actually 
reminds Jacob, he brings Jacob into this, and he says to him in verse 14, in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And I'll just let you fast forward the story just a little bit, and we go to the New Testament where Paul tells us that this actually speaks of a sin bearer who will come upon the scene and give his life for all of humanity. For the the text says in verse 8, and the scripture, this is Galatians, Uh, 8 and 9, the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you, all the families, all the nations shall be blessed. So then, Paul's conclusion, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. This promise that God gave all the way to gave to Abraham all the way from 2000 B.C. or about that time, is fulfilled in Christ. All the world is going to be blessed. And what God is doing is he's reminding Jacob that he is part of that promise. Beloved, humanity needs a Savior. It is lost and condemned. Humanity's lostness is evident to us everywhere. Every people group and every generation have their idols and substitutions for God. Our world has geographical gods, Buddha, Islam, Judaism, Confucius, animism, and probably a hundred more. We also have philosophical gods, hedonism, materialism, socialism, and we could also add wokeism to the latest list on and on. And even in today's aberrant culture, it's vogue to concoct your own ideas and proclaim them as valid, even without any kind of substantiation at all. Humanity's lostness is further demonstrated by immoral lifestyles abounding and in your face. A mere generation ago, people were ashamed of certain behaviors. Today, they're not only accepted, they're flaunted, and sometimes even celebrated. All this illustrates how desperately we as a race need a Savior. And our holy God sees all, think about this now, He sees all the evil of the world. He sees it deed by deed, person by person. And in His magnanimous grace and incredible patience, He chooses not to turn His holy anger toward us, Yet, but in mercy, he chooses to rescue a people for himself, to rescue us from our own self-destruction. We are reminded in the New Testament that it is not his will that any should perish. So he invites all people into his life through Christ. That's what he's doing by reminding Jacob of the promise and why would God do that? Because he wants people to know. He wants, and he wants those who know to receive it and become involved in his divine purposes. Well, we've seen God remind Jacob of his original promise to Abraham, but I want to show you something even more amazing. Look how he applies this to Jacob personally. Behold, I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you.
Can we just pause and apply that for a second? Beloved, God cares about where you are in life. And he cares about how you're processing his word and his will for your life. God gives light in Jacob's darkness, assuring him that the land and the family and the, all the things that are familiar that he was leaving would one day be his again. And can I ask you, I asked myself this question as I was preparing, but I want to ask you too. How many times have you experienced the Spirit of God whispering in your heart's ear the promises of God in the midst of a darkness that you were experiencing? I would say probably more times than we can count. It is always helpful to remember that God is using the darkness, the trial, to take us from a clinical belief to a behavioral consistency under his lordship. God shined his light in Jacob's life in the midst of darkness by revealing his presence, reiterating his promise, and by reminding of his purpose. Even though there were no scriptures in his day, Jacob knew this promise to Abraham. It's obvious. Uh, Isaac has tells him here. He had obviously heard it before. And in fact, as we look at this account of the dream itself, um, dream slash vision, it becomes apparent that it's the very covenant words that convince Jacob that this is no mere dream. It is, in fact, a visitation from God. And what's significant here is that Jacob is personally reminded of God's purposes, that he would be a key player in what God desires to do to accomplish his greater purposes on earth. Now, if you know anything about Jacob's life, you know that it was not according to Jacob that God chose him. <laughs> he was a scoundrel. With apologies to anyone named Jacob, <laughs> it's not a great heritage until after he meets the Lord. And beloved, in God's sovereign orchestration of his divine plan, Jacob is a chosen vessel, not by his own merit, but by God's design. He's a chosen vessel, an instrument of grace in the lives of others. Listen, if you're in grace today, it's because Jacob was one of God's instruments of grace. And this is a truth that the New Testament applies to all believers as well. That we are instruments of grace. God's chosen instruments in the lives of others. Recall with me the Great Commission. Go. Who? Who's he talking to? Us. Christians of every generation, of every land who will ever live, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Peter gets even more emotional in his terms, and he says, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege we have to be, to, to be part of God's purpose, God's purpose being our purpose for living. Because when God's purpose is our purpose, it brings light and life and hope to those of us, to those around us, and deep, deep joy to our own hearts. God shined his light in Jacob's darkness by revealing himself, by reiterating his promise, by reminding of his purpose, and by remaking his practice. A genuine encounter with the living God always 
produces change. I grew up in a tradition where people were encouraged to come down forward and, and uh, say that they had come to know Christ. I don't know if they did or didn't, but I, do, I did witness many times where nothing changed in their lives. I don't read that anywhere in the Bible. When you come into contact with the living God, things change in your life. And God here is remaking the purpose, the, the practice of Jacob. What does it look like when God touches a life and things change? Well, first of all, he declared his faith. He said in verse 16, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He declared his faith. You see, beloved, a transformed heart is accompanied by a proclaiming tongue. Last fall, one of Vicky's uh, English students from another country uh, agreed to read the Gospel of John with her. And in the process of reading the Gospel of John, she just trusted Christ. She just came to realize we don't even know how it happened. There was no Gospel presentation, so it, as it were. But it just one day she proclaimed that she was trusting that Jesus was God. It was not because somebody led her in a prayer. It was unsolicited. She simply believed and said it. <laughs> That's the way it is. How can God himself come into your life and you not have that as a subject to talk about? That's beyond my ability. Jacob declared his faith, and he feared God. He said in verse 17, How awesome is this place. Fear of God just overtook him. And, and I, don't, I, I hope that you don't water this down. Because the text says he was afraid. He had met the living God, the creator of the universe. And he was afraid of not acting according to what had been revealed to him. I think the church needs a fresh, healthy dose of the fear of God in our day. To tremble in his presence to fear violating his holiness with our sinful indulgences, and to walk in consistent gratitude expressed in love toward God because his great love has been shed upon us to bring us into the light. Jacob declared his faith. He feared God, and common things became holy. Then Jacob arose Verse 18, we didn't read this, but it's there in your text, so let me draw your attention to it now. Jacob arose early in the morning, and he took the stone, which he had put at his head, and set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. What is he doing? He's taking a regular rock <laughs> and making it a place of worship. And he called the name of that place Bethel, that the name of the city had, had been formerly Luz. So what happened? Common things became holy. This Rocky Pillow became a place of worship, a place that was named for almond trees. That's what Luz is. It, uh, obviously, there was an almond grove there. But Jacob says, no, this place is now going to be called Bethel. This is the house of God. Common things become holy, beloved, when God touches your life. When we understand God's purpose for this earth as well as for our own lives, there's a change that comes over our everyday existence, change that becomes visible and consistent to other people. Let me give you some examples. As you read the Scriptures daily, a simple chair in your home becomes an altar of worship as you give your heart to Jesus afresh every day. 
Work is not just a place to get more income, but it is a place to build relationships and to speak the truth into the lives of others, people for whom Christ gave his life. Neighborhoods will no longer just be uh, houses occupying ground in close proximity to one another, but you will see families and individuals to whom you may express God's love and help in times of need because Christ died for them. He, God loves those people. And you are a chosen instrument. You are a holy instrument of grace in the hands of God. Common things can become holy. Even the way we relate to each other in the body of Christ or in our homes, spouses, fathers to children, mothers to children, these will testify of our appreciation for the gifts of one another that God has given in the body of Christ. You see, when God touches a life, he remakes the practice. Common things become holy, and change becomes permanent. Life for Jacob was never the same. Verse 20 says, Jacob made a vow, saying, if God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go. I will give and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. He's affirming his belief in what God has promised him. Then the Lord shall be my God. Change becomes permanent. J- Jacob is never the same after this. In fact, his name gets changed. He's now going to be called Israel in the near future. This was never more evident to anybody in my life than my own father. My father testified that he had been God-conscious most of his days, most of his life. But it wasn't until a certain experience that he had that he always referred to as selling out to Jesus. Remember those words, don't we? Well, I'll never forget them. And everyone who encountered my father knew that there was a new master in his life, a new governor, a new Lord to whom everything had been surrendered. You see, beloved, everything changes when our lives are touched by the living God. Some of you know this. In 2005, Vicki's health began to decline mysteriously. We sought medical help, and yet her digression intensified. Within six months, she had lost all mobility and was bedridden. The trial was all-consuming. This was so emotionally depleting and shrouded in mystery and feelings of helplessness that I had begun coming to terms with the possibility that this illness might be her earthly demise and that she would soon be with the Lord. Words are inadequate to describe that period in our lives. But suffice it to say, it was among the darkest, hardest time we've ever experienced. But we, as well as our marriage, have never been the same. Obviously, she recovered. (laughs) The people who walked through this experience with us saw a health crisis. We remember it as an encounter with a living God that changed us forever. The Lord was in that place even when we couldn't see him. Because God was there, A common experience of physical affliction changed us forever in our pursuit of God. Beloved, circumstances may be as hard and lonely for you today as they were in Jacob's life when he made his way through the desert in search of a place 
of rest. But God's presence will never leave us. Christ is referred to in the New Testament as Emmanuel. Tell me what Emmanuel means. Say it good and loud. God with us. Do you believe that? If you have Jesus, you have God with you. So even if circumstances appear dark, are they really? God is with you through life, always, even through earth's darkest valleys. And it's precisely in those dark valleys of circumstantial hardness that his nearness and his power can be felt and known more deeply. It's not that he wasn't there and he came, but that we are more teachable in that moment. We are willing. We are motivated to hear from him and to receive his intervening presence in our lives. I love what Dr. Larry Crabb said in his book entitled Real Church. This is worth remembering. The only way I will ever learn to be thankful for how empty or alone I sometimes feel is to understand that experiencing soul pain is like having a hearing aid given to me by God to let me hear notes of heaven's music I otherwise couldn't hear. Can you say amen to that? Mm. Let's bow together. Let's have a time of reflection on the truths that we have just heard. Dear ones in this room and online, is there someone who may actually be coming to terms with God's call upon your life that you are, in fact, in darkness, without a relationship with God. You cannot hear his voice because you do not know him personally. But this morning, you have sensed God's call out of darkness into the light of his presence. I invite you to come to him. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. If someone has invited you to church or to listen online with them, please allow them to show you how to come into a relationship with God, to be saved from eternity without Christ. And of course, your pastors and elders and deacons are available to you as well. Cry out to him. Believer, if you know the truth of being in a relationship with Christ, I just want to remind you in this time of reflection that whatever darkness of life is upon you, the Lord is in that place, even if you can't see him. Remember, God has revealed himself in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is there with you amid life's difficulties and invites you to move toward intimacy with himself. Remember God's promises, beloved. He has and is redeeming a people for himself, and we are his instruments of grace to bring his redeeming life to others. Embrace his purpose. Life is not about us. It is about people coming to understand their Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered that none would be lost. Is your heart aligned with God's purpose? For this life. This is your moment to respond. And when you do, God will change everything 
and establish you as his faithful follower. Lord, it's because you're with us this morning that we speak truth to one another, that we encourage one another to walk in the truth, and that we seek to please you in all respects. You examine our hearts. You know what we're like when we leave here. May we be, may we move from clinical belief to consistent Christ-honoring behavior because we have trusted you even when life's circumstances close in around us and seem dark and difficult. You are good and doeth good. We honor you together in Jesus' name.